Welcome to Fret Not with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Not is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the heroes and the champions of our field about the lessons that have most defined their careers and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realize that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. This podcast is brought to you by Augustine Strings, my string of choice and a company full of my favorite people in the guitar world. I play the Imperial Reds and the Paragon Reds if I fancy a little bit of a sharper sound. You can check them out at augustinestrings.com. In today's episode, I talked to Gigi Kim. This was a really fantastic high octane episode and I tried to do a little bit with the levels of this episode because otherwise I think you would be deaf by now. Gigi is a hero of mine and has been for a while. She's one of the coolest guitarists on the scene at the moment. This episode is really indicative of Gigi's high energy mindset and she was actually just on her way out of the door. So a lot of the end of this episode is quite rushed through. I've tried to do my best to make everything as seamless as possible, to make it as listenable as possible. If anybody has any tips for me regarding sound levels and how to better edit the sounds so that it's more pleasant to listen to, then just write me. Either on the FretNotPod email, fretnotpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, rosiebennettguitar or on the page of the podcast itself at FretNotPod. Enjoy. Hi, Rosie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry about like getting this earlier. I'm so silly. I just forgot. I, uh, I might, my, my life is a mess. <laughs> I got burnt out. I just, I just like kind of lost my mind. I like had multiple breakdowns. I was just like, <gasps> I'm so sorry. It was really nothing against you. I think you're so beautiful and you're so talented. And I was like so excited that you reached out to me. And I was just like, oh my God. And now I like, I was like, oh my God, I messed it up. I forgot to reply. It's okay. Don't worry. Oh, it's the doom. It's the doom of like not replying. And you're just like, oh, I'm the worst person. But anyhow, it's so nice to meet you. Oh my God. Thank you so much for talking to me. I always try and think of the first time I ever saw someone I think these days it's just always online because yeah that's the world we live in um I think it was because of the concert artists guild and then I've been kind of stalking them for years and then I was like "Ooh, there's a guitarist there and it was you you're very cool I like your shoes (laughs) and congratulations on your engagement thank you so much (laughs) I'm like finally we've been together for six years we're still in a long distance relationship but I saw this meme is like oh my god I'm so sad I'm in a long distance relationship but then yay I'm engaged but I'm in a long distance engagement (laughs) (laughs) it's so sad but no we're we're working it out it's been it's been lovely and he's a lovely person so I'm very yeah safe thank you Okay, and how long distance is it? How far away is he? Oh, we have two more freaking years. And he lives in New Jersey, which is like five hours flight. (laughs) That does seem far. And you're in the desert? Yeah, I'm in the Southwest. I'm in Arizona, which is really like, yeah, it's like really the opposite. (laughs) And you are not from Arizona originally. I'm born and raised in Korea, Seoul, South Korea. And I moved to the States when I was 15. And I've lived in the East Coast my whole life. Philly and New York, Brooklyn, New Haven. So like it was definitely a big change to move to Arizona. And I also don't drive. I don't know how to drive. I'm like getting my test 
on the 25th, but it was a big adjustment, you know, like just going into America that, that uses a lot of cars to get around was like a huge difference. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, good luck. I'm mortified. I'm mortified. I'm mortified. I'm going to ask you the first question. Let's okay. just go straight into it. Yeah. What is the lesson that you've learned that's been the most meaningful to you? There's a lot of things, but the biggest thing that I've learned from my mentor, Professor Van Vettery, was that he always thought, he always said like, you know, what's the worst thing that people can say to you when you're asked for help or asked for advice or, you know, something when you're asked for something. And it's like, and he was like, no, right? The rejection, you're not going to die from it. You're not going to get hurt physically, maybe mentally ego, but a little mm-hmm. bit. But he's just like, what's the worst that people can do to you, say to you? And that was like the biggest thing, you know, it was like, oh, because I, I, I had a really hard time reaching out to people for projects or, you know, just like asking for advice or, you know, so anything, you know, as you as a musician, we always mm-hmm. kind of have to reach out to people. And that was like the biggest um, lesson I've learned in my younger artist days. And I was so grateful that he he taught me that. And I have no problem reaching out to people now. And I mean, sometimes I feel like, oh, they're going to say no. And, and now I've come to be okay with it. The worst thing is no, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was like my, my, my biggest lesson that I've learned. And another thing was just like, I mean, this is quite a recent thing. Um, I was just talking to one of my students and they were very upset. And I mean, you know, they, you know, I have a lot of students at ASU and, you know, I always think of my lessons as more of like a one-on-one therapy session. (laughs) I mean, it's like, I think it's like, you know, my best lessons that I've had in my life were just talking. It was like beyond guitar, beyond like technical stuff. And it was just like talking about some of the things. And, and I've had that kind of relationship with all my teachers. So my student came like really upset and, you know, they were not prepared. And I was like, what's going on? And they were so hard on themselves. They were so hard on themselves. I felt really ashamed and guilty and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel bad, like, you know, sitting across from you. And I was like, why are you punishing yourself? Mm. oh my gosh they had a very rough time and I I said like stop punishing yourself I'm so proud of you be proud of yourself and you made it here you're in here in front of me and that's like I am so grateful that you're here with me and you know we have to stop punishing ourselves with with all these like guilt and shame and that's something that I've dealt with my whole entire life like oh I need to be better than everyone else or like you know I need to be better I need to do this I need oh I didn't do this thing I missed this and I I, I'm very like I'm quite hard on myself and I've learned how to do this kind of trick to like be a little bit more nice and kind to myself and it's like okay what did I do this week why did I miss this and what is it that I really am nervous about and then the core thing is like oh the you know like what when you miss something right and you start mm-hmm. to like getting anxious and you get start you start to stress and you start to procrastinate and you procrastinate more and it just becomes this big doom thing you know you just have to be like stop like hating yourself too much mm-hmm. and just like you kind of have to be kind and like it's teamwork you and you yourself to do the work mm-hmm. so that's something that that I've been you know teaching to my students because I'm working on it too and that was like my my biggest 
lesson mm-hmm. that um, that I I am currently learning and learned over the over the years. <laughs> Do you yeah. think that those two, so the um, not being so scared to ask for help, and then also the sort of trying to punish yourself less do you think that those two go hand in hand because i think sometimes when you're a student the pressure is is on it's really it's kind of hot in here all the time (laughs) because also there's nothing really tangible that you can localize as a problem did you find that those two things were connected yeah totally exactly exactly they were totally connected and i've you know, I think it was like a, a thing that I used to do. I was like, oh, this is my problem. I can't share it. I can't do this. I have to do this by myself. And, you know, it was a very lonely journey, right? Mm. And then I realized, like, I don't have to do this alone. I have a wonderful friends. I have a wonderful community. I mean, this is something that we're going to, I'm going to get into later. But um, you're not alone in the world, right? You have, like, this wonderful support system. And everyone is actually trying to help you right? Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be there for you. I think so too, because I'm, I, I want to be there for my colleagues and my friends. And I, I think these are quite like, it's a wonderful world. I mean, it's like a positive way to see the world. <laughs> I mean, there are horrible things that happens, but if you build a beautiful community and support system, you can, you can like do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's quite, it's tricky, isn't it? I think the older you get and the more things that there are on your plate, the kind of, I don't want to say easier, but the more sort of tangible it is. Yeah. Because I find, you know, especially with these kind of conversations and talking to people, they talk about balance and how do I, how do I manage my time? And obviously when you're a student, you have this kind of endless time that yeah. you have to fill and you kind of look at yourself and it's like I'm the hero and the villain and yeah. <laughs> what am I meant to do with this information um, right. I mean I'm really glad I, I wonder always like how can you offer tangible advice to people because I worry that with students sometimes just yeah. saying like oh you're here you made it is not really enough because there's something that eats inside away yeah I mean the thing is you're not going to figure it out. I mean, it's like, it's like I, I am so sorry to say this, but the thing is, okay, so this is one of the things that I also talk about. It's like, you know, I think it's also the social media and like this constant information, constant thing of like, everyone seems like they have their together, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone has figured it out. Even my dad always said, you know, when I was 20, I looked at people when they were 30s, they have their together when I become 30 I still had not much can I say I'm so sorry they had their they didn't have their together and then, and then when they've been they became 40s like okay well people in their 60s look like they have their together and then when I've become 60 I have not figured it out like I haven't figured out my life like you know I mean just like you know they had a family mm-hmm. but they had a job but, but beyond beside the point it's not very helpful advice but the, the part of this journey is like you are just constantly figuring it out and mm-hmm. the, the figuring out part is like what do you what attracts you what is something that you don't like you gotta try as many shoes as you want 
And the thing is like, stop being in your practice room 24 seven, do daring things, like do something that you have never done before, you know, like working with a poet or with visual artists or, and go to lots of shows. Like the thing is like, do what the other artists are doing. I, I used to do everything. I, I, I played in opera, I played in musical, like pick bands. I played in the band, I played, I mean, I played everything. I, I if I can, get my hands on a project. I just did everything because I, I, I'm this kind of like insane workaholic. I can't sit still, as you can see, like I'm like literally <laughs> moving. Like in school, like that's exactly what I did. I've like gone to all the parties, all the things, all the shows because I didn't know who I was or what I wanted to do. And then the thing is like, I eventually started figuring out, oh, this is the thing that kind of tickles my fancy. I love this. I love this stuff. And like, you know, and that's the thing. You're not going to get it from a school. You're not going to get it from a book. And it's like, you have to get out of your box. You have to feel kind of vulnerable and that's okay. And fail, fail. Oh my gosh, you're in school. That's the best time to fail. I want you to crash and burn. I want everyone to have multiple breakdowns and just fail as much as you can. I fail so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm so grateful that I did. Does that make sense? Is that, yes. is that still very generic? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's true. I like the idea of not figuring it out. I think what's really nice is kind of discovering that figuring it out isn't the end goal. At the end of your life, having figured it out or not, you will, you're going right. to be there. <laughs> right. And like the whole concept of making it, right? I mean, that's the doom question. Making it. Like, mm. you know, I, I, I think that's something that I always, oh, I laugh about it so much, you know, because that, that's the thing. Like, you know, I had this like this idea, like I need to make it. Like, you know, I had this, so much pressure. And then I realized there's no such thing as this thing, this thing mm -hmm. of you made it. I mean, there may be goals that you you had, but there it's like it's totally an illusion, right? And mm -hmm. you're gonna crash and burn if you if you think about your life will be happier um, if you made it. The thing is that's that's not what's gonna make you happy. You're gonna you have to be happy today and now with the process because you're going to be depressed when you've like achieved all your dreams or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, yeah. Oh, we're getting into deep conversation. <laughs> I need a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's very early. It's 8.30 somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're completely right. When I look at you, it kind of feel like when I look at the things you're doing, kind of it indeed, I, I think of you as a person who sort of has it figured out. Oh um, my God, no, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can I just be honest? I have no idea what I'm doing and that's okay. And like, I was like, you know, that's the thing. I don't want people to think like, I've like, I have my shit together. I really don't. I really don't. Like, I just, I will say, I know what I like. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like, I figured that out. <laughs> but I have not have, I do not have my shit together. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. You can totally put this in the podcast. Because I'm not embarrassed by it. The thing is, it's like, I mean, you know, the thing about social media, everyone looks like they have their shit together. And the thing is like, I'm really not. I'm frazzled. I'm disorganized. And like, that's okay. I'm okay being that person because like, I don't want people to, to put anyone on a pedestal. That's the thing. Like, you know, like, like that's what my student was saying. It's like, I feel like you're, you're, you're so like, you have your together and blah 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 and I was like no I'm not I'm still figuring it out don't look at me at this like like I mean of course I have I'm a professional with you but I am mostly a human being I'm I feel the same things as you do 
and that's a that's a big big thing, right?、Mm. You and I are the same people, and we have the same emotions. We feel the same anxiety. We have the same problem. Nobody's invincible. Nobody's a god. Do you have fun? Is that your sort of measure? How do you find the things that you like? Yeah, I mean, it's like a double-edged sword. <laughs> Some of the things that I find very fun to be quite、um, anxiety-inducing, also.、Um, but yeah, like you know, the biggest thing is like I love working with living composers. That's like my biggest thing, you know. Like my like I have this mission of I'm gonna. Premiere as many pieces and live it with work with living composers and like you know just like do as much as that as possible. But like you know the the thing about premieres is like it takes a lot of work. You know you you have to like figure it out. You have to like make it into an experience, and that's like takes a soul out of me. And like I'm so exhausted, but it's、mm-hmm. also like a feeling of like a total bliss when you when you do it when you do the premiere when you play the this, these pieces. It's total euphoria. What do you think it is about sailing through uncharted territory that attracts you? Was it an insecurity about playing, or not insecurity? Was it like an unhappiness with the repertoire that already exists, or an insecurity about interpretation, or like what was it that, aside from liking it, you know? Because that's something else. But I think there's always a kind、yeah. of a double in there. I think so. Like that's definitely a really good question. So. The thing is, you have to understand that I came from wanting to play in pop bands. Like I wanted to play in a rock band. Like I wanted to play electric guitar. I've always been like obsessed with pop music. In the beginning, like I wanted a Fender Strat, maybe a Gibson, maybe Les Paul. I don't know. Like I really wanted a like you know my my heroes were like P.J. Harvey,、um, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. Like you know these were my heroes. And my my parents got me a classical guitar because they were like, it's on sale. I'm gonna buy you an electric guitar when you know after a year of classical guitar lessons. And they, that never happened. They just、mm-hmm. didn't want loud <laughs> <laughs> amplified, you know, <laughs> sound、um, in the house. And and the thing is like, so it kind of like it will it will kind of tie it all together. You know, as a young child, I was like really pressured into like lots of competitions and like you know this t- like you know I was like groomed to be this prodigy or like concert artist or whatever like you know very classically trained、mm. musician. And because maybe it was something along those lines, I think something broke. I think something like it became more of a task or like um. I used to love music. I used to like really feel everything, and something just became、mm, something got lost, right? And I've lost all enjoy and like joy and happiness with all the repertoire. I think that I was playing. I think it was just too much pressure. And then I've lost. I kind of lost hope in in music. I like. I I was like really about to quit my second or third year in undergrad because I like I just don't want to do it. I don't want to. I don't want to practice. I don't. I don't. I don't find happiness anymore. And one of the things that happened was that, like I said, okay, well before I quit, before I go to like cooking school because I love cooking, I was like I was like really serious. I was like I was telling my parents like I think this is not it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna.、Yeah. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna go to the chef school, and I'm gonna be a chef. <laughs> and my parents like, oh my god, you need to be stop being dramatic. But what happened was that I was like on YouTube, and I found this music,、um, Little Match Girls,、um, 
Passion by David Lang. It's an amazing piece. And and I just like, I was in my room, in my dorm room, and I was listening to it and I was just like bawling. I was just like so moved. And I, then I like went to this album, Death Speaks, with also David Lang's uh, and Diana Can um, All-Stars and album. It was so beautiful. And I was just like, I was so moved. And I, I loved everything at the counterpoint and like all this rhythmic gestures and everything. And that was like kind of the moment of like this like thing that your fire has gone out, like just kind of like rekindled again. And it was a beautiful moment. And I was just like, oh, maybe it's not dead yet. And I applied to this festival, a summer festival called Banganakan Summer Festival. And that was the thing. I loved it. What was the, the, the fun thing about it was that like you were playing chamber music with everyone else. And it's like really hard music. Like, you know, in the morning you rehearse like in the big ensemble, like um, Donna Kadeni's pieces that was like really like kind of insane. And then the lunchtime you can play like a solo recital. And at night you have one more rehearsal. And then in the evening when you're all done with the rehearsals, you can do whatever you want. You can like play um, Americana or I was asked to play in like a folk band. And the thing that I realized was that, oh, you don't have to do this one type of music, right? One genre of music. And that's the thing that I've always felt like I was always pressured into when I was like being a classical musician. The thing is, mm. that's why I love this, like this new music scene or contemporary music scene is like, you don't have to do the one thing. You can do everything. You know, that was the, the big point. And that's like, I don't have to stop loving rock music. I don't have to stop loving pop music because I, I just do classical music. I can do all these things. So mm -hmm. to kind of like bring all, tie that all together is that I find so much joy, you know, working on these new pieces. And like a lot of these composers are influenced by some sort of like different genre. It's not all neoclassical music or whatever. There are some sort of like kind of crush genre or it's just like kind of like blends in all the genres, right? All the styles. David Lang, actually, I think it's Pain Changes. Is that with the woman who sings staring at the camera? Oh yes, that's the Sharanova. Yeah, that's her. That's that's the that's um that's the, from the Dead Speaks album. Oh my gosh. For me, emotion and music has always been this kind of heartbreak that I felt I hadn't felt yet, or love that I felt I hadn't felt yet. And I used to kind of try and reason it with myself. I've been brought up doing music. I'm too selfish to feel any of these emotions for oh anyone God. else. I don't know. I just I always thought like this just doesn't. It just doesn't hit me, but that um, David Lang performance and that video specifically made me feel something really visceral. And it wasn't sad emotion or pain emotion or happy emotion or love or anything. It was fear. <laughs> I wondered, because um, I'm imagining a little postcard of what it was like, how serious were you about stopping? Was it really yeah. to the point where you were thinking... Because, you know, sometimes we have this kind of irrational thought, but was it um, sort of an over an extended period of time, like, oh, this rationally just doesn't seem to fit or? It was really serious. I mean, I was really burnt out. You know, the thing is, like, I hated competitions. I hated everything. I I really didn't like music, you know, like I things that I were attracted to. I was always going to like clubs and like, you know, bands. I was like, you know, but I was never going to classical shows, you know, I've like and I was like, what am I doing that I the thing that I don't even like? Maybe I'm OK at it, but like, but I, I just like felt like I just don't want to do it anymore. It was this kind of hate relationship. I looked at my guitar. It's like, OK, here we go again. I mean, of course, like, you know, practice is practice, but 
but you know, I, I, I was like looking at schools, like I still remember like looking at the, the culinary school of arts in Philadelphia and looking at their tuition. I was like, okay, well, I need to take out a loan <laughs> because my parents are not going to pay for it. Um, but I was really serious. I was like, I was done. I was so, so unhappy. You know, that the thing is when you're really unhappy and everything becomes a doom, like you're not a fun person to be around. And that was one of the things I was a very unhappy and not a very fun person to be around. And I always thought of myself as this like fun person to be around. And I was so angry. I was so upset and like very angry at the world. And, you know, it's like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And at that time, did you reach out to your teacher? Were you talking about it with other people or were you sort of just... No, this had to be, uh, yeah, no, that was like, this was alone time. It was like very like, you know, that advice came in, in my grad school. So I actually kind of took it all in, talked to my therapist, but like, I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm just so done. And, um, but you know, I always, I kept it to myself. I didn't talk to my boyfriend at the time about, about my quitting, but mm. I was ready. But somewhere in you, you still were hoping, right? There was like this little yeah. thing that you were hoping to be saved. When we tell stories looking back from where we are now, it's really easy to analyze right, it and right. say like, oh, it was, it was this super bleak point. And, but sometimes it's useful to put it in a little bit perspective because when you're listening to something, it can, it can seem really bleak if you think, oh, but actually I'm not in that situation. My situation is right, slightly right, right, right. older, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it is true. I mean, that's probably why I was on YouTube, right? Probably, that's probably why I was like trying to before, this is the one last thing, before I do it, yeah. before I hit the button, <laughs> the escape button. Yeah, I think so. I think there was like this one night, I don't know why I was just alone listening to with my headphones and I was on a YouTube dive and like something did it. Like I was just like really feeling like I need to, I need to listen to music because this is not it, you know? And then I was just like, <gasps> and then I went to dive, you know, like just finding this, like I'm going to find, you know, I'm a very obsessive person. Like I, I spent like six hours like researching everything, mm. but I do think there was of course, this little fire that was almost like <laughs> about to run out. Um, it was a little too sad to like, just let it go, of course. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that when you've lost almost all hope, like, you know, just try this one less thing. I think that's the thing. It's like, just make it this, this like a little thing. Well, let's do this before I quit. <laughs> I think that people do a lot of great work in the flux between almost giving up something you know you see these yeah. quotes flying around that say you might be giving up right before something happens I think actually it's completely on its head I think most people find something great when they say you know what I have nothing to lose and the feeling yeah. of having nothing to lose is really powerful because you let go of all that stuff. maybe that's what you were letting go of you know that that kind of pressure that Happy, that sort of education, that tutorial, that this idea that you have a kind of fresh start in something. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was. That changed my life. That was it. I've never looked back since then. Which lesson would you like to impart? You know, I'm actually going to bring some of this thing back. 
there's no such thing as like an artist or repertoire police. Always like, I feel like young artists like, well, I feel like I should be playing this repertoire. I always hate that answer. <laughs> Why do you think you should be doing that? And they're like, well, it's what everyone else does. Why is that the answer, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to feel like there's no such thing as this FBI of artist police who's just gonna knock down your door if you do certain things that's different. Oh my gosh, do whatever makes you happy. Stop being miserable and doing the thing and being angry because that's not gonna go anywhere. You gotta be you, you gotta do your thing. Everyone else is taken. That's the famous quote, right? You know, you, you can only be yourself, everyone mm -hmm. else is being taken. I mean, that's, that's, that's like so cheesy. But it's so true, okay? I mean, some of the things, it's so cheesy, but look, that is so true. There's no such thing as should. You do what you want. And if you don't know what you want, well, do everything then, right? <laughs> yeah. Do everything and figure out, check the box. That was not a great experience. Check the box. <laughs> I'm not going to do that again, mm. you know? My life totally changed because of that. Mm. You know, I'm still, you know, and I'm, I'm still figuring it out. Please, you know, we're all in this together. And... I hope you don't feel as alone. <laughs> we're all, you know, I, I think you and I and whoever's listening, we're all same people, you know, and we have feelings and the best thing is like to root for each other. I think so. I mean, I mean, I mean, of course, like there are some, you know, doubts that you'll get, but that's okay. That's who, who, not everyone's going to love you. It only matters that people don't love you when you don't love you. I think a lot of yeah. guitarists have that problem because we all play the same kind of 60 pieces and then there's a lot of judgment and you you sort of listen to as many record, you try and be as safe as possible. It's like you, you're doing constant doing things to please other people and it's like you're gonna end up hating yourself more. Your musical experience is totally different and you know, and we have to be fine with it. It makes sense that you went into something that you felt you had a pushback against at a time when you couldn't care less. I, I, I'm such a people pleaser. And I was just like, you know, I am so sick of like, you know, I was, I, I was born in Korea. I do everything to please my parents, to please the family, to please like everyone around me. And I was like, what about me? Who's taking care of me? That's exactly what I said to my, my student the other day. It's like, like, look, you kind of have to give up on pleasing other people. No one else is going to take care of you. You are your favorite person. Gigi, what is a lesson you're working on right now? The thing is, I love working, but I love, I, I mean, and I say yes too much and I get burnt out. I mean, I do. I'm a person, right? If I'm like constantly working seven times a week mm -hmm. and like I don't have a break, you will lose my mind. I mean, the thing is, it's also kind of an insecurity if I you know, it's the FOMO, fear, fear of missing out, you know, especially after these two years, mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like, those lost time. Yeah. And the thing is, I need to say no. And, and that's what I'm like, trying to learn is like, learning to say no. And I'm not getting myself burnt out, like, because like, I get really burnt out. And like, I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything. I'm not a really nice person. You know, I'm on edge. And I really, I am really forcing myself to have at least one day of the week or my me time, nothing else, nobody can bother me. And like, that's it, you just really, and that's like, even if that's like music related, whatever, work related, just like something that you have time for yourself. You know, you're working out, like that's fine, but you need mental break time too. Your body can just go, 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 go. But your brain, oh my gosh, if you don't take care of it, it goes, it goes. And then you just, 
in this dark world of anxiety and doubt and this fear. And it's okay to have empty calendar. It doesn't mean you're worthless or not valuable. It's okay. You're, you need that time. And that's the, that's the biggest thing I think I'm struggling with. I need to be busy to be worthwhile. And that's the biggest ever. And I just need to like, I need to live it. Mm -hmm. Altamira is the leading brand of handcrafted traditional guitars, specializing in classical nylon string, historical replica, and gypsy jazz guitars. Altamira fosters music education and performance through its foundation that hosts and sponsors international symposiums and competitions in Asia, Europe, North America, and Australia. I've recently been lucky enough to be sent an N3 model guitar from Altamira, and it is one of the cleanest, easiest to play instruments that I've ever had the chance to have in my collection. They're beautiful instruments, handcrafted with love, and you can tell. These instruments are wonderful. They have models right down from the beginning level, right up until concert instruments that you would be proud to put your name to. You can check them out at altamiraguitars.com. And again, I'll put that link in the description box so that you can check it out at your own pace. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week for the next episode of Fretnaut.